0: Hello, and welcome to Family Room Discussions, where you invite me, Dalton Anderson, to your Come, Follow Me study, and we discuss ideas, questions, and insights to the week's lesson. Let me be clear. I am not a church historian or a scripture scholar. I am your average saint trying to build my faith in Christ and deepen my testimony of the gospel and the scriptures, and I have found that by discussing Come, Follow Me with others, it helps me to do just that. My sincere hope is that for those struggling to study Come, Follow Me for whatever reason, maybe because you're single and you don't have others to study with, Or, like me, your kids are still too young to understand English, or really for any other reason, that you will allow me to join your family for about 30 minutes to help with that gospel dialogue. With that, let's start this family room discussion. Brothers and sisters, family and friends, this is episode 3, following along with lesson 3, 1 Nephi, chapters 8-10. through And as usual, I'm going to start with the chapter intro. Lehi's dream with its iron rod, mists of darkness, spacious building, and tree with most sweet fruit is an inspiring invitation to receive the blessings of the Savior's love and atoning sacrifice. For Lehi, however, this vision was also about his family. Because of the thing which I have seen, I have reason to rejoice in the Lord because of Nephi and also of Sam. But behold, Laman and Lemuel, I fear exceedingly because of you. When Lehi finished describing his vision, he pleaded with Laman and Lemuel to hearken to his words that perhaps the Lord would be merciful to them. Even if you have studied Lehi's vision many times, This time, think about it the way Lehi did. Think of someone you love. As you do, the security of the iron rod, the dangers of the spacious building, and the sweetness of the fruit will take on new meaning. And you will understand more deeply all the feeling of the tender parent who received this remarkable vision. So whenever I go through these lessons, I look for promise statements. Uh, This one here about how you will understand more deeply all the feeling of the tender parent. That one makes sense because whenever you try to put yourself in someone else's shoes, you're able to see things from their perspective. So I I understand how, you know, as, as I think about this from Lehi's perspective, and as I think about uh, someone in my life, to me, that's, that's kind of an obvious promise. Um, doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. It's just, at first I was like, Ooh, a promise. And then I was like, Oh, well, yeah, of course that that's a true principle. So, Um, I'm going to do that for me. I know who I'm thinking about right now. And, uh, I invite you to do that for you. Uh, so going on to ideas for personal scripture study, the first one, uh, first section here, uh, first Nephi eight, the word of God leads me to the savior and helps me feel his love. Uh, it says Lehi's vision offers an invitation to reflect on where you are and where you are going in your personal journey to know the savior and feel his love. President Boyd K. Packer taught, You may think that Lehi's dream or vision has no special meaning for you, but it does. You are in it. All of us are in it. Lehi's dream or vision of the Iron Rod has in it everything a Latter-day Saint needs to understand the test of life. And I highlighted everything. Um, I want to pause on that because, if I'm not mistaken, what he's claiming is that within these three chapters, I mean, arguably two, but the 8 through 10, He's saying that this has the entirety of the immortal piece of the plan of salvation. Um, at least, if I'm not mistaken. And so I think, you know, we all know this story, and and he he's just said that this this story, Lehi's dream or vision, has everything a latter day saint needs to understand the test of life. Well, I I mean, clearly the people that, uh, you know, whoever the church department that compiled these lessons of come follow me they clearly believe that because it's only three chapters that we're studying for the week and uh and in this lesson i don't have a deeper thought on that other than it does make me take this a lot more seriously it's true i think we all every member of the church no matter how new or old knows this story it's it's one of the the few universal kind of stories a lot of members might not know, you know, what happens in Third Nephi or or whatever it be, but everyone knows about Lehi's vision. And so, hearing that this has everything in it that I need to know about the mortal experience, I I I took it a lot more seriously this week reading it. Uh, So it says, so moving forward, it says one way to study first Nephi eight could be to fill out a chart like the one shown here to understand the meaning of the symbols. It is helpful to refer to the vision that Nephi had when he prayed to understand his father's vision seen, especially in first Nephi chapter 11, chapter 15, chapter 12 and chapter 15. As you study Lehi's vision, consider what the Lord wants you to learn. And uh, I'm not going to to kind of reflect on this. I did this activity for myself. Um, I think it's kind of cool because I re- specifically, the when you pull out the meaning of each thing and then go on to questions to ponder like this one, they give you an example of under tree and it's fruit. Um, it doesn't give you the the meaning, but it gives you the, a question to ponder, which is what am I doing to invite others to partake of the love of God? Um, I think that's the part that I actually liked was the, You take each uh, symbol and then go on to ask questions for you to ponder. And I thought that was a fun activity. So I I do recommend doing that for yourself. Then in the next section of 1 Nephi 9, it says, Why did Nephi make two sets of plates? The Lord's wise purpose in having Nephi create two records became clear centuries later. After Joseph Smith translated the first 116 manuscript pages of the Book of Mormon, he gave the pages to Martin Harris, who lost them. And I made a note. I made a note on uh, who lost him because I think I've always found the story of the lost 116 pages to be kind of interesting. Um, over 2,000 years before before the 116 pages were lost, and you know that whole experience, the Lord knew it was going to happen, and He prepared Nephi all the way here. Um, he prepared him to, min- to mitigate the consequences what I find kind of particularly interesting is that he didn't remove the consequences. Clearly the Lord knew well in advance that Martin Harris was going to lose those 116 pages. I mean, that mistake cost us 116 pages of additional content. I'm sure now I'm sure some people find that more of a blessing. Um, <laughs> Cause then the book of Mormon would have been longer, but, but really I think what I think of is that the Lord clearly knew it was going, like it was going to happen. And, uh, he didn't, he didn't stop it from happening. Instead, what he did, um, is that he allowed the consequences. He allowed the consequences that Martin Harris would have to face. He allowed those to still happen. And I mean, what I take from that is that he will, that God will not remove our agency. And in effect, won't remove the consequences either and that to me is a sign of a loving parent a parent that knows that the decisions we're going to make are going to lead us to hurt to go through pain um, to go through tough times and that you know they, they don't take away those things from us they don't take away our agency and prevent us from making those decisions even though it will hurt us but a loving parent also does what, what God did here and that he mitigated the consequences and prepared for them by inspiring Nephi, um, you know, to make his set of plates. And so, I don't know, I just, I, th- I think that's a great example of how God handles us, how he he knows what's going to happen, but he doesn't take away our agency and we can trust him not to. Um, and even though I think it can be really hard, and I know there's been times in my life where something's happened, uh, I, I've made a mistake, and I have to go through the consequences. And I, I think, man, the Lord knew I was going to do that. Why didn't He stop me? And I have great faith in Him, knowing that He won't take away my agency, and that it's, you know, He still mitigates those consequences as a loving parent, but He can't remove the consequences for my own decisions. Um, so I don't know. I think, I think it's just a cool story that, that all of this happened. And here we're reading about it, uh, you know, 2000 years before the consequence would happen. He doesn't know why, but obviously the Lord did. And then it further, it goes on to say, but Nephi's second set of plates covered the same time period. And the Lord commanded Joseph Smith to translate these plates rather than retranslate what had been lost. And just a quick tangent. I've always wondered. So we know that the. The Lord explained to to Joseph Smith that he that the pe- that people who had the uh, lost six hundred sixteen pages, he explained that Satan had planted in their hearts these wicked desires to be able to prove that the Book of Mormon was a fake, um, and, and all that, and so instead just translate Nephi, and that would cover the same period. But I've always wondered, like, what did the people that had those uh, those pages and they had changed them and all, and all of a sudden the Book of Mormon's published, but the Book of Lehi's not in there? What were they thinking? Were they like, oh, man, he got us? Because I'm like, I, I I don't know. I just think, to me, I'm like, if I had, if I was a wicked person and I have these pages and I'm clearly trying to overthrow this guy who's uh, starting this this new church, this new religion, says he has this book and all that. And then all of a sudden, the book comes comes out, it gets published. And what I have can't prove him wrong, I'd be sitting there thinking one of two things, or honestly, probably both. But number one, I'd be like, how in the world did this kid in effect, how did he know that we were going to uh, call him a liar? And then uh, obviously not not try and retranslate the book of Lehi, but number two, don't you think they would have been like, okay, he's clearly a prophet. Like, obviously he's got to be a prophet or he has to be the greatest fiction writer of all time. Like one of two things, right? Anyway, just something I've thought about that I'm like, and also another random thought I have is where are those pages now? Were they like passed on from wicked person to wicked person And they were like, hey, one day, if if this uh, if this church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints ever tries to come out with a book of Lehi, we've got them to call them. I I don't know. Maybe obviously this isn't a question that really relates to my eternal salvation, but it's something I've thought about. So in the next section, uh, first Nephi 10, chapter 10, verses two to 16, it says ancient prophets knew about Jesus Christ's mission and testified of him. Uh, I personally don't have any notes or, or anything that I got uh, from that section specifically. But if you have something, let me know. I'd love to hear it. So I'm going to move on to the next, which is First Nephi chapters 10, verses 17 to 19, which says, God will reveal truth to me if I diligently seek it. And it says, how do you respond when you encounter a gospel principle that you don't understand? Uh, that's the question for this whole little section that I was really pondering. And it says, note the differences between the way Nephi responded to Lehi's vision and the way Laman and Lemuel responded. Why did they respond in these ways? And what were the results of their responses? Consider writing about a time when you wanted to know if a gospel teaching was true. How did the process you followed compare with with what Nephi did? Uh, For me personally, that original question that I said, how do you respond when you encounter a gospel principle that you don't understand? Uh, well, for me, I have ADD. Um, I don't know if that affects what I'm about to say or not, but that's the first thing that came to my mind. And when I hear something that I don't understand, I kind of hyper-focus on that. I remember a specific time when I was 14, I had learned about the second coming and I didn't know a whole lot about it, but I remember having a lesson that we were taught about that there were signs of signs preceding God's coming. And I remember... Just hyper focusing on all the signs and and trying to like figure out okay so what does this mean and and how many signs are to come and what things have already been accomplished and all these things and I remember I couldn't let it go every waking moment was focused on the second coming and what was gonna come and all these things even to the point that I actually kept bugging my mom to go and take me to Deseret Books so I can buy all these books about the second coming and I remember. I would, I would look through all these, all the scriptures and I got in revelations, which is a 14 year old kid. Uh, I, that was confusing. I didn't, I didn't have like a, I probably should have had a reference guide. I don't know. A lot of it just didn't make sense to me at the time. And, um, yeah, I just, I became super fascinated by the whole subject. My mom finally did get me a book. Uh, it was one for teenagers called, I think it's called how great it will be or something like that. And, uh, it just kind of breaks it down for the reader for teenagers kind of, of, you know, what's, what's happened, what's going to come. And then really focusing on the fact that this is a faith filled thing and that, that we shouldn't waste time speculating about it, but more of just preparing faith. And so, uh, going back to the question of how do I, how do you respond when you encounter a gospel principle that you don't understand, for me, this has been a repeated pattern throughout my life. When I don't understand it, I hyper-focus to find it. And that works for me. I don't think that works for everyone, though. Um, my wife, for example, she uh, if it's something that she doesn't understand and she doesn't feel that she needs to in that moment, then she doesn't stress about it. And she's able to move forward in faith um, she's always been like that always been someone who's able to act on faith without uh, a full understanding and just knows that the answers will come when they need to. And that works for her. And, uh, for me, I've always been a little bit more, if there's something I don't understand, then I have to know it as fast as I possibly can. And I don't let that affect my faith or I don't, you know, I don't at- stop from acting, but for me personally, I've got to know. And I think everyone has their own process, but I think, you know, what you don't want to do is respond kinda of how layman and Lemuel did, where when they didn't understand, it let them they let it push them away. They had their doubts and then let those doubts continually push them from God. Um, you wanna have whatever your process looks like, you want it to be faith filled and whatever works for you. And uh Yeah, that's kinda of my thoughts right there. So then, as you go on, the ideas for family scripture study and family home evening. And I'm just going to be honest. Uh, I think all of the suggestions it has. It talks about, you know, First Nephi eight, having your family uh, enjoy reenacting the vision or drawing pictures about it. It also has uh, the video that you can watch, um, which is is good. I'll be honest. The first time I watched the Lehi vision Book of Mormon video. It was a little weird for me. Not, uh, I'm not criticizing or critiquing or anything. Just, I don't know, it's kind of weird to see CGI effects in a Book of Mormon video. <laughs> That's just me personally, but I, I thought it was great. The point is that we have a visual, and I, I think so many of us are visual learners. That really helps. It's a great resource. Uh, yeah, It was just a little different for me at first. Uh, and the next one, it says... In 1st Nephi 8, chapter 8, verses 10 through 16, it says, who could we invite to come closer to Jesus Christ and feel the sweetness of his love? Uh, I think that's a question, a great question for families to ask themselves. I also think if I did have any thought on that, it would be, I think so often we are prone to think of a non-member. And I would just encourage and recommend that there are plenty of members who also need to be invited to come closer to Jesus Christ and feel the sweetness of his love. In the vision, it wasn't just non-members not coming to the tree. Um, There were those that came to the tree, partook of the fruit, and then they left, whether because they were ashamed or because they thought the people in the great and spacious building were having more fun, whatever it was. And so many people that have have tasted of um, God's love I they still need it. They still we all still need to come closer to Jesus Christ and feel the sweetness of his love. So I would just recommend if you know if if you're like me and when you first hear that question you think, okay, who are the non-members that I know? Just stop and think, okay, but also who are the members and just those around me in my family and in my friends that I could also reach out to. And then First Nephi it says First Nephi chapter 9 verses 5 through 6. Uh, when have we followed a commandment without fully understanding the reasons for it and how were we blessed? I I don't have, I, ha- I mean, I have countless stories, but none that stand out to me uh, at this time. But I feel like so many times I'll receive a personal commandment from the Lord in my prayers and I will have no idea why at that moment I need to do it. Um, but I know that I received an answer to my prayers and the you know, you want to act on those quick. I've learned that lesson for sure the times that I procrastinate acting on a commandment from the lord has never been good for me uh, so so yeah act on those commandments quick because your life will always be blessed for doing so um, but not so the other way around and then in first Nephi chapter 10 verses 20 to 22 it says how is being physically unclean similar to being spiritually unclean what can we do to make sure we are remaining spiritually clean and I I, I mean for both of them it's a feeling more than anything in my opinion i i feel grimy and unhappy when i'm physically unclean like I, if i if i go on a camp out um and i and i love camping but when i go on a camp out and i come back i feel sweaty and gross and stuff and uh, i just want to shower and if i don't like i'm totally unhappy and the same thing happens when i'm spiritually unclean it, i just I spiritually feel grimy. I feel dirty, and to me, there's a feeling of peace and happiness when I am both physically and spiritually clean. It's both, and so um, I think to answer the second part of that question, my mission president told me that if I would go to church every week, read my scriptures, and say my prayers every day, then I would never be too far from the rod and from the love of the Savior. And I have done those three things. Um, I've gone to church every week try to say my prayers every day and try to read the scriptures every day. And uh, I haven't been perfect since my mission for sure, but I've never fallen too far away from the rod that I couldn't get back on the path. And I think that's important. And I know that those three things can also help you and and everyone. Um, So that's why I want to share on that. And then just from the scriptures themselves, I wanted to point out just a couple things, and this was only in First Nephi chapter eight that I that I had thoughts I wanted to share. Um, but the first one is in verse one. It says, "And it came to pass that we had gathered together all manner of seeds of every kind, both of grain of every kind, and also of the seeds of fruit of every kind." But no mention of vegetables. Where are the vegetables? And was that even something they wanted to bring? Because if not, I'm going to have a tough time convincing my children to eat their vegetables. Because one day they're going to turn to me and say, well, Nephi didn't get any vegetables when he had to come over. So I, I don't know. This is one of those things. <laughs> and then in verse two, I don't know why, but I always thought this was kind of funny that he, so Nephi says, and it came to pass that while my father tarried in the wilderness, he spake unto us saying, behold, I have dreamed a dream. Or in other words, I have seen a vision. And I thought about, because in Acts chapter two, verse 17, it says, and it came to pass that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And I always thought it was funny because it, with uh, with Lehi saying, behold, I have dreamed a dream or in other words, I have seen a vision. I th- I mean, Nephi is writing this, right? And I always joke that I, I pictured him being like, uh, as he was writing it. He corrected himself and was like, oh, no, no, old men dream dreams. And then young men have visions. So he's like trying to like correct it for his father. Anyway, it's dumb, but I've always laughed at that. And then in verse eight, he said, uh, Lehi explaining his vision said, and after I had traveled for the space of many hours in darkness, I began to pray unto the Lord that he would have mercy on me according to the multitude of his tender mercies. And I highlighted for, uh, the many hours because I, I mean, I've never had a, a vision myself, but I just imagine traveling for hours in darkness, and not once being like, "Why, like, why am I still traveling?" Like, and maybe I'm just too impatient. But I feel like after five minutes of traveling in darkness, I'd be like, "Okay, all right, let what, what's going on here." And Lehi is traveling for many hours. Uh, I don't know why that always like I I stop and think about that, but it does stick out to me. And then in verse twelve. Lehi says, And as I partook of the fruit thereof, it filled my soul with exceedingly great joy. Wherefore, I began to be desirous that my family should partake of it also, for I knew that it was desirable above all other fruits. Above all other fruit. And I love how he says that um, he partakes of the fruit, it filled his soul with joy, and then he began to be desirous that his family should partake of it also. When you have found something truly good, the first desire is always to share it with others. For me, I love food. I'm a huge food person. and when I have found something truly delicious, a truly great meal or a truly great restaurant, I always want to share that with someone else. And that's kind of how the gospel should be if it if it isn't like that already. Um, I remember on the mission, I had the toughest time wanting to share the gospel with others, not because I didn't want to, but uh, I'm, I'm an introvert. And so I just had a tough time wanting to get out there and talk to strangers. And I remember reading this and and hearing like, you know, when you have the gospel, the first thing you should want to do is share it. If you if you truly love something, then you should want to share it. And I, I f- remember feeling so guilty thinking, do I not love the gospel because I'm not driven to share it? And at the time, I remember telling myself, no, you its you know, it's just the way of interpretation. But truly, um, I, do, I do think that I did love the gospel. And part of it was just my, my naivete of not understanding, you know, what sharing was. And I, you know, I thought it was kind of this rote memorization of things. Um, but when I truly feel the power of the Holy Ghost... In my life, it is true that I can't help but want to bless other people. I want to share it. I want to help others. Um, And it doesn't always look like going door to door um, as representatives of Jesus Christ saying, we have a message for you. It can be wanting to bless others by service, um, by, by being a shoulder to cry on, giving a hug, uh, whatever it is it's it's that charity that is naturally within all of us it's the light of Christ that we want to share and as we do more and come closer to Christ it's it's impossible not to have his you know person imprinted on us that we then want to take that and go share it with others so yeah absolutely as you as you taste of the goodness truly it will be natural. It won't be forced. It won't be something that you feel forced to do or anything. Um, and I know for me, I've had to work at it, and I still have to work at it. I'm I'm not there. I've been there at certain points in my life, and other times I go back to just wanting to stay home and, and watch a good show and, uh, and kind of not help anyone, just be to myself. And so you have to fight for it. You have to work for it, and you have to always be going to the tree. And um, that's kind of what I... What I've been left with and the thoughts that have really stuck with me from this lesson is that when you have the gospel, when you have that fruit, hold on to it. Keep fighting to be there. Don't ever let go and share it. Get others there with you. And so, yeah, those are my thoughts from the scriptures reading. and, And those are my thoughts from Come Follow Me. And as always, I would love to hear what your thoughts were as you went through this lesson some takeaways that you had, some personal stories or examples you want to share, and any questions that that you had to share with me so that I can be thinking about them too. Because that's the best way I learn, is hearing others' questions about the gospel and, and then studying it out for myself. So thank you for joining me on Family Room Discussions. I really appreciate it. And I will see you next time. Thanks.